Good morning. Sorry for the absences. There has been some outside circumstances. Um, we're back. We'll be here. U-Sports season, Connor, has snuck up on us. It is officially August. Camp's opening next week. I am stoked. Get Me us too. all over the place for training camp. Uh, we are waiting to hear back from the Guelph Griffins. Uh, I believe Marshall is messaging the Laurier Golden Hawks. And then we're going to try and get other places as well that are uh, that are around. You know, we're not going to be traveling into Windsor, unfortunately. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's a real long road trip. <laughs> Maybe next year. Maybe next year. But um, we're going to Queens this week to talk to Coach Snyder for a bit. It's officially go time, Connor. But with that being said, the CFL's got some interesting storylines going on this week. Oh, man, does it ever. Does it ever. Kind of ties into U Sports a little bit. A little bit, because people are still yelling, free Trey Ford. But... Don't get me started. (laughs) But earlier this week, I guess yesterday... Since we were talking on a Tuesday here. So yesterday, it came out that the Edmonton Elks have promoted Jarius Jackson to the offensive coordinator role after they struggled mightily, mightily in the night game on Saturday against the BC Lions. They got blanked 21 or 27 nothing, excuse me, 187 pass yards, 45 yards on the ground. It was just not a good day for the Edmonton Elks. And they only had eight first downs. Eight first downs and five sacks. Not a good day. Not a good day. Um, I'd like to say, what team has not struggled against the BC Lions defense? Who is the Toronto Argonauts? Um, outside <laughs> yes. of that, Connor, everyone has struggled. I started BC's defense this week in fantasy. I was like, everyone struggles against them. Edmonton, of all teams, has so much inconsistency in their play style. Not so much their personnel. Their lineup has been pretty much set, but they're so inconsistent. Some games, they'll be great. Some games, they're mediocre. Some games, they're really bad. Um, But even when they're great, they find a way to turn the ball over or make mental errors that put themselves in plus situations where they really are struggling to convert. Um, I think when it comes down to it, look at the penalties, Connor. 13 penalties for 177. A lot of these are pre-snap. And when you look at the Elks and switching over to Jarius Jackson, yes, it could be a lot of attention to detail, but... At some point, Connor, maybe you just don't have the right guys. And it starts with your quarterback, which they're now apparently making a change towards Jared Deggy. But the corn man can't take all the blame for this. No, I don't think he can take I don't think he can take all of the blame, but I certainly think he needs to shoulder some of the blame. Yes. You were paid to be the franchise guy. You were supposed to be the franchise guy. And I understand the circun the circumstances in Edmonton right now are dire, but the game against BC, he completed 
16 out of 30 of his passes, threw for under 200, some interceptions. And this isn't a new thing. This isn't just like a one-off game where he's done this. He's done this a couple times now. We've seen absolutely no remnants of what was the electricity that was Taylor Cornelius at the end of the 2022 season. Like, where has that guy gone? And I, I we were talking about this yesterday. Like, we both did believe that there needed to be some sort of change in Edmonton. And lo and behold, that change comes a couple hours after we were talking about it. I'm okay with the with the play calling change. I, I think something needed to happen there. Cornelius going to now the third string slash short yardage quarterback duties was a little bit was a little bit head scratching to me because you know they tried the Jared Daigie experiment. Didn't really work. It worked for the few snaps that he that he got um you know late in that one game. But really I think the larger issue with Edmonton isn't necessarily Cornelius himself, but the quality of quarterback in the quarterbacking room. And, you know, again, we said it off the top of the episode, people are screaming free Trey Ford from the rooftops, but Chris Jones came out and said that Trey Ford is not showing any continuity. He's not showing any growth, any development. And consistency. consistency. I think consistency was the key word. in what he was saying last week uh, in his media availability, it's like, if the biggest issue with Cornelius is he's not consistently completing passes or he's consistently turning the ball over, why would we give the ball up to Trey Ford? Like, what is the difference going to be? That's he's him. less experienced. Yeah. He's smaller with a smaller arm, quite frankly, because Cornelius has a cannon. Um, And if but, he's not consistently making the right throws and reads, it's not going to be anything different. And they know that going in. Whereas with Deggy, when we talked to Marsh about like, hey, what what's the coaching staff say about the schedule report on him? When he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he's not. Okay, there's a chance that you could catch fire one game, like he did in this in this uh, game against the Argos. Yeah, when he's hot, he's hot. When he's not, he's not. And just to kind of loop back to the Trey Ford thing for for one more second here, like Chris Jones isn't just holding out Trey Ford to kind of rile up the media rile up the fans like he's not holding out trey ford for no reason he's a football coach his job is to win football games it is expected of him to win football games his you know life more or less not life his coaching life his career. reputation career depends on it so he's not just doing this to you know rile up the fans rile up the media if he felt confident in trey ford i guarantee you we would have seen trey ford sooner in this season but he's come out and said, I'm not confident in putting this kid in right now. And until you know he shows he me say, something. He did say he's starting to get there. Starting to get back to the level he was at last year. And once again, that struck me. I'm sorry, you had an entire offseason. You tried to uh, audition for the NFL again at the Buffalo Pro Day. And you're getting back to camp and someone's saying, you're not at the level you were at last season. To me, that screams, what the hell did you do all off season? Because he had he had the opportunity to come in. You know, everybody knew that that Cornelius was going to be the number one after he signed that after he signed that deal, right? But he had, Trey Ford had an opportunity to come in and be the true backup, be the true number two. I think and it's this expected season, that he would be the number two. 
Absolutely. I did. You did. I think everybody else did. And and he would have had those opportunities with the way that Cornelius was playing to get in and show that, you know what, look, I'm a number one, but I'm, I'm with you. It's like, what was going on? What? How were you preparing in the offseason? Um, I want to kind of pivot while staying on the same topic to one of the solutions we were talking, by the way, not just with ourselves about this, but with uh, Nick from 1050. Uh, and his our question was, if it's not Ford, what's the answer? And Carl and I both kind of said, like, oh, maybe Dane Evans. Maybe I like, I'd like to see Tommy Stevens get a shot, right? The way that Edmonton Owine has yeah. played, like, his versatility and mobility, it'd be cool to get see him get a shot. But with the way VA went down, Bo Levi is back on the sixth game for the second time this year already. Mazzoli went down right away. You think any team with a shot at the playoffs is trading away their backup? Absolutely not. Especially not BC. Like we said this last episode, uh, last Tuesday, specific to BC, Dane Evans is absolutely the best backup quarterback in the CFL right now. And he's getting the start again this week. Yeah, I saw his product because they're playing the Thursday night this week. But yeah. Um, so you're not giving you're, up. You're not giving up Dane Evans. I don't think Calgary has given up Tommy Stevens. Prukop's not leaving. No, Fine isn't leaving because he's also starting. He's the starter right now with with Trevor Harris's surgery and Powell, injury. The Tigers can't afford to trade away a quarterback. Crum not trading. Arbuckle's hurt, so you can't trade him. But I don't think they want to, anyways. <laughs> that experiment. They already they already tried that experiment in Edmonton. And then you look at Montreal, and it's like, okay, do they feel confident enough that Cody can last a whole year? I don't think they want to gamble that. The Argos, we don't know what they have as a backup. And there you go. Bob's your uncle. You're not trading because nobody's going to trade with you. So you're stuck with the guys you have until it falls off. Yeah, it is... Uh... Like we said earlier, it is it is a tough situation in the quarterback room in Edmonton right now, and they desperately, desperately need to find some sort of a spark. But I say we pivot off of the Doomer talk, even though we could talk about the Edmonton situation all day. Where do you want to go next? You want to go to your guy, your guy Crumb? Three game rule officially took place. He's had his three games. What do you make of it? I. I'm still. One, he's one bad one out of three games. Not even is. a bad one. Okay, it was kind of a bad one. But at the same time, you and I both know how prickly rain games can be. Um, there's lots of turnovers. <laughs> uh, five interceptions. There was not a whole lot of passing yards. And in terms of Dustin Crum, I think when teams are adding in that spy, it changes the game completely. It forces him to sit and read and throw. And as a young quarterback, that's really tough. And what gave him the opportunity to win a few games was, I'm just going to take off and beat you. And when Calgary put Cam Judge there, it was really tough to beat Cam Judge. (laughs) It's going to be. Cam Judge is a damn good player. And as teams add that spy in, 
if Dustin Crum can beat your spot to the outside, he's going to have a fantastic day because he's going to be feel confident enough to step up and run. But when he can't, and I shouldn't say talk like he couldn't run at all. He had over 80 yards rushing. Phenomenal for a quarterback. Um, but it takes away an aspect of his game. Similar to, as you guys all know, I am a Ravens fan. When Lamar Jackson first entered the league, teams were saying force him to play in the pocket. So they wouldn't even rush him. They would just kind of contain rush and let him try to beat them downfield. And a lot of the times it worked like the Rams game uh, in his MVP season. That was one of the games where they didn't really rush a whole lot. They just said, we're going to beat you with our front four and you're not going to be allowed to run. And Lamar said, okay, I'll throw for five touchdowns. Like that's what teams are are now challenging Dustin Crum to do. They have the receiving core to do it, but it was a rough night for the offensive line. It was a rough night for Dustin Crum. And I think the jury's still out. I know it's a three-game rule, but this is a weird one. Like yeah. He did not have a whole lot of time. And the rain situation, the weather yeah. delay. The I person, agree. We should call it a Marshall delay in all honesty. Uh, two, he was two of four this week. Weather delays. <laughs> tough guy. A tough go for the guy. But yeah, two no, for two I, in his games. Two for two in his games. Two for four on the weekend. I I'm with you though. I I think the the weather delay, the bad weather, it's just it was it was a tough one. It was a weird game for him. So for me, like yes, we we have our three game rule in effect, and and you know, two out of three for the three game rule. But for for me now, it's about how he rebounds. How does he bounce back? What does he look like in Saskatchewan this weekend? Now, this is where I think it's going to be really interesting because Saskatchewan's front four can get after it, like like oh, Hamilton's, yeah. respectively. Um, I think that this game is going to be one where we can make a true definitive answer on Dustin Crum. He's going to see a really fast defense that can force turnovers, but they've also been prone to give up a lot of yards and a lot of plays. Ella, last week at TDA. Yeah, I think I, I think if uh, I think if Saskatchewan had Darnell Sankey, the league leader in tackles last year, I'd be a lot more nervous for Dustin Crum this week. I know I know Saskatchewan does have a really really good defense, good front four, um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see how Dustin Crum is going to bounce back in this one, especially against a, a team like you said that can pin their ears back and go. Staying on this game, specific to Hamilton and Bo Levi Mitchell. What are you doing? I know it was a tight game, but good God. I, I texted you and Marshall this, and as we were venting in our group chat, Coach O's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. He pulls Bo. Everyone's going, what are you doing? Game's not that far away. Doesn't pull Bo. This happens, and it's crushing him for, well, what are you doing? You should have had him in there. Look, it's... It's a professional football game. Unless you're leading by 20 points, 20 plus points, you're not really going to be pulling your starters. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but the, it's, it's just, wait, I don't know. I don't know. I, I get what you're saying. The thing Unless that you're I just... 20 plus, you're not, you're not pulling your starters. That's, no. that's fair. No, no, no. I, so, I totally get what you're saying. The I don't even think that... the thought crossed his mind to get the quarterback out of the game. Sloppy conditions are what? I don't care. 
It's not a foregone conclusion. It's it needs to be done. I do agree with what you're saying about leaving you you know leaving your starter in tight game all that. But there was a tweet from Naylor that came out, and they said and it said something along the lines of Hamilton sent him into Neil. I don't think that was true because if you if you watched him come out, if you watched him go into the huddle, if you watched kind of the play break, like it did not look like there was a called Neil on the field whatsoever, not once. And we're not in the huddle. We don't know what's going on. But just kind of the dancing around what happened. I mean, you know, if you didn't send him in to Neil, that's fine. But you can't be like, oh, we sent him in to Neil and and he didn't. I don't like that. That's just what I don't like about this is there's just some some stuff that we don't know, some kind of backdoor shady stuff a little bit. But I wasn't in the huddle. You weren't in the huddle. But it just it never seemed like the call to Neil was there. And they're saying that it was. I don't know. I just don't like it. Either way, oh, six game, second time this year. That's tough. Really, I, I, really frustrating. I, I, I feel bad him, for Bo. I could see him being so frustrated. And we got a full Bo Levi experience. Like, threw the ball well at times, threw the ball not so well at others. And <laughs> yeah. ups and downs. Um, I was sitting with a friend and they put up Bo's record and he just goes, That's Bo's career record? I said, Yeah, dude, he was pretty much unbeatable until the last couple of years in Calgary. <laughs> but since then it's it's been a very sharp drop off and a lot of inconsistencies play into that and there's a lot of things that aren't in his control either like last second drives and whatever but um in terms of Bo as the quarterback that's that's pretty uh pretty unfortunate he'll now come back in week 14 15 and uh Face the Winnipeg Blue Bombers if he's week 15, if they're more cautious. Otherwise, he returns against Ottawa. So. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I I do. My heart breaks for Bo. That's that's tough. It's tough to see. But let's go to the touchdown Atlantic game because it looked like a hell of a time. Probably won't spend too, too much time on this game because it wasn't close from the hop, despite Chad Kelly throwing for only 122 yards. He didn't need to. Good good teams win ugly. That's that's what it comes down to. Good teams win ugly. Toronto dominated this game despite not, you know, not really clicking offensively throughout throughout the game. But damn, dude. Halifax was a party. Looked like so much fun. I want to quote what Javon Leak said, I believe, at halftime. This is what makes complete teams. When the offense is down. The defense and special teams can pick them up and we'll get to where we're at now. I believe that was a quote. It was something along those lines. But my God, was it spot on. His touchdown broke open the game. It was like, oh, okay, we have some breathing room. Offense doesn't have to force things to score points. It's going to be okay. And their defense just just suffocated Mason Fine all game. Suffocated Mason Fine, forced a 58-yard pick six from from Deshaun Amos, but can I just say about the Javon Leak punt return touchdown? Did Were you watching the game? Did you see the punt return touchdown? 
That was the mm-hmm. slowest looking punt return touchdown <laughs> I think I have ever seen. Like I know Javon Leak's a fast dude, but I was watching the punt return and I was like, he's gonna score. No one's but gonna it doesn't him? look like he's moving. What is happening here? But it was just it was good blocking, it was good coverage. But I, I know Javon Leak is fast, but that for whatever reason, that punt return touchdown just looked like he was running in slow motion. Um, I, I do want to say the Sean Bain topic from like week one and two. It's still uh it's still pretty accurate, Connor. I don't know. Tevin Jones has twenty one more yards than Sean Bain. I mean, on on any given week, Sean Bain's one or Tevin Jones is one. Like, it was a good, it was a good take. It's still a good take. It just whoever's hot. Hey, they're the top two in the CFL for receiving yards. They're doing something right. They're throwing the ball all over the field. Yeah, Mason Fine going for three hundred in the game. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was a lot of yards and garbage time. Uh, for him, but uh, when we look at an outlook, Mason Fine against Ottawa, do or die. We heard we heard the quote about he's done enough to be our starter, but I don't know. This Ottawa defense is not going to be any less forgiving than the Argos. They get after you on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they I get after it. I firmly believe that. The Ottawa Red Blacks are the most underrated defense in the CFL right now. Certainly the most underrated front seven. Definitely. I, you know what? No. Most underrated defense. They have phenomenal DBs. Great front seven. They put pressure on quarterbacks. They force turnovers. They forced Bowen to five interceptions last week. When you have five interceptions, five forced turnovers, you should realistically win the game. And they were in a position to win the game, but yeah, this this defense is not going to make life easy on Mason Fine this week, or Jake Gallo, whoever's in under center. But it's second not in the league in opponent turnovers behind the Argos, who had that monstrosity of a game against VA. It's like we've been saying all year with this team, man. Like when they can figure it out, when things start clicking offensively, look the f out. We thought it was going to be Dustin Crum. You know what? It's still the very Ticats, well might be. It's the one that have one. had. The Red Blacks number in the last bunch. I think I saw they were like eight and one in the last nine meetings. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a case of they've got the boogeyman coming up behind them. And uh, in terms of playoff seating, Connor, the Red Blacks are going to have to beat the Ticats at some point. If we look at like, yes, they beat Calgary. That could be one that comes into play for the crossover. Hamilton and Ottawa. Hamilton is the same record, but they have two head-to-head wins. So Ottawa now has to outright beat them. They can't tie for records. Otherwise, it's done. No. Yeah, no, no, no. Ottawa is going to have to pick up a win against the division rival at some point this year. They've got one chance left to do it. Week 15. Week 14, week 14, week 14, 14. yeah, 14. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun football to watch coming down the stretch. Now, the thing that I'm curious about coming up this week before we move on here with Ottawa 
Ottawa hasn't seen the Rough Riders since week five of last year. And we all know what happened. Oh. So they are going to be coming out pissed off. I think within, within the confines of the football field, I don't think Ottawa is going to try to do anything dirty. I think more, more, more people in the league than not are beyond. Ottawa's minus one and a half. Take on it. the road in, in a quote unquote revenge game. Like, take it. I think Ottawa is going to be coming, coming out pissed off in this game for sure. <laughs> this is their first chance to quote unquote get back at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And I mean that solely by the score, by the score. So I don't think Ottawa has forgotten what happened last year. And I think they are going to absolutely try to blow the doors off this game. And they're going to be coming out pissed off early. We do get a great lineup this week, though. BC at Winnipeg. That's going to be a good game. Uh, Argos at the Stamps, who are kind of treading water at the moment, trying to keep their head above and grasping for air. Um, I really don't know what the Calgary Stampeders can do. Like, it, they made their bed. They're going to have to lie in it. This is what they wanted. I don't know. For all the Jake Mayer talk, Connor, <laughs> we we talk about him needing to push the ball downfield. Push it, push it, push it, push it, push it. And then it becomes third and three on like the five or six yard line. And it's all of a sudden, um, dude, can you, can you not throw the ball to the back of the end zone? Well, I mean, there's a big difference between pushing and panicking. Yes. That's a good one to say. Mind you three, 300 yard games. Um, yeah, but watch the tape. This last 300 yard game didn't impress me. No. Like what's the song don't. that don't impress me much? Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. So yeah. Jake Mayer throwing an absolute bam, rocket wobbler to the back touch. of the end zone. That don't impress me much. So you're Brad Pitt. Don't impress me much. So you're Jake Mayer. <laughs> that don't, that impress don't impress me, me much. much. <laughs> Not um, even Jake Mayer as a whole. Just like some of the poor decision making. Some of the like the panic throws. Jake Mayer, 32.3% on passes of 20 yards or more. Uh, only ahead of Mason Fine, Bo, who's played two games, three games, um, Dustin Crum, and that's it. So, but, I, but when like, you look at the Chad Kellys and everyone else that is winning games, like Claris, Fajardo, VA, um, even Cornelius is a higher percentage. Like they're all touching forty or near forty, and he's down closer to the bottom. Uh, so, at what point know. does Calgary then look at this and three interceptions this? and three interceptions <laughs> throwing the ball deep? I I mean, yeah. So my question, where I was going, is you know, at what point do they look at do they look at his numbers downfield and just adopt the Trevor Harris model for him? Just make the easy impact throws. Get your guys in space because there's a. But they've they've tried doing that, Connor, and they don't win games with that. But they try to push it downfield, and he can't do that either. (laughs) Um, I don't know. 
even like you look at his average yards per target, he's at 9.3. He's in the bottom three in the league corner. He's around Dustin Crum, who once again is just starting. Terry Cornelius, who has been benched. And now Jake Mayer at 9.3. Like, there is nothing that makes me say this guy can be a super high-achieving quarterback. Like, there just isn't a whole lot of tape on it. Like, mind you, he has the highest yards and most touchdowns in the game this season, but they ended up losing that game. So, along with those four touchdowns came some picks, if I remember correctly, against the Ottawa Rough. Uh, Red Black. I almost said Rough Riders. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so no, I I don't know about Jake Mayer. I'm really, really, really uh, done with him. I'm Again, it, it's kind of the the same thing as we said about Cornelius off the top. Where is the guy that in his first three games as a as a rookie starting quarterback threw for 900 yards and looked like he was going to be a starting quarterback in this league for a little while. Like, is this a confidence issue? Is this a film issue? I, I don't know what's happening. It sucks to see because, you know, we have seen what Jake Mayer can be, but where is it? And, and Calgary, if they want any, if they want any shot at the playoffs, Calgary is going to have to figure this out and, and very quickly. So right now they're not a playoff says team. He needs more weapons. So help me God. Oh, he doesn't need more weapons. What do you mean? Reggie Bagel, if someone, if someone tries Duke, to argue that, Luther Hakunavanu, Clark Barnes, who is seventh in the league in total yardage as a rookie. Mark and Michelle is quite a weapon to have. Plus, like, when he's healthy, Malik Henry is there. Malik Henry, like, and, yeah. and Jalen Philpot, too. And in the backfield, I mean, tough game last week for him. Diedrich Mills, Kadeem Carey when he's healthy. Calgary does not need more weapons. Calgary needs to figure out how to efficiently get Jake Mayer to find these weapons. I don't know. When we look at Tommy Stevens, he's got more of a depth per target. <laughs> yeah, but again, what is he as a quarterback? We haven't really seen him no, as a true no, quarterback. No, Tommy Stevens has five attempts, Connor. He's <laughs> he's a fantastic rusher. He is he's he's a, he's a hulking body that barrels down the field with a ball in his hands. But oh. what is he as a quarterback? I don't know. I I just I don't think this week is going to be much better for Jake Mayer and the Calgary Stampeders because the Argos DBs Connor flies to fly paper like this is bees to honey. This is uh, white on rice. This is two sides of Velcro. One's a receiver. One's the DB, and the Argos do not fall apart like bad Velcro. No. I don't know. Do you have any more analogies for sticking to something without fail? No, I, I think you I think you flex nailed them tape. All. It's like flex, flex tape. tape. It's like flex yes. tape. Nailed it. It's like Corey Mace is Phil Swift. And every time he lays down some ridiculous coverage or stunt, he's saying that's a lot of damage. But not for his flex tape DBs, because they just make picks, they make plays, they fly all over the field. All right, I'm going with it. The Argos DBs are flex tape. I love it. Absolutely love it. 
embarrassment of riches at second at the secondary corner. Oh, it's crazy. They're so good. Their back end is so good, so fun to watch. Their back end with BC's you know what BC's got a really good secondary too, I was gonna say. Their back end with BC's pass rush. <laughs> hey, their own crazy. pass rush isn't so bad itself. I know. Both teams have really good defenses. Um all right. I think that's it. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll be back. PJ is saying goodbye. Crazy cat. <laughs> all right. Uh that's it. That's all. Got anything that's else to add? Me. Hey, if you want to get into some coaching gear, whistles, you know, football season's coming up. It's August. Football's back. Football's coming back for U Sports. It's coming back for high school. Club seasons are coming to an end, but that's okay. Uh, get in on the action at fox40shop.com. Enter the code CFP15 to get 15% off your next order. Coaching boards, whistles, merchandise, nautical equipment. It's all there. It's all up for grabs. And you can get a discount. CFP15 at checkout at fox40shop.com. Appreciate those guys so much. Not only outfitting our podcast, outfitting the league, outfitting youth sports coaching up reffing up the youths but that's the youths but that's it from us catch us on social media at see a perspective at wade zank at connor r o'neill at tsn marsh who looked like he was having so damn much fun with paul lapolis in the booth last week but we will catch you guys on thursday so that you can help me out to fly Lately I've been lonely